Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep those doggies. We are rolling, friends. We are back live on Hit Different, your music culture podcast with me, Mikey Carl, so Sophia Moley, and this week's special, special, special guest, Jack McEwen from Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. Hello, everybody. This week, we're going to be talking about some stuff in just a moment. Welcome, friends. What are we talking about this week on Hit Different? I'll tell you. Spotify's wrapped year in review versus Apple's replay. Sosa's going to be chopping it up like Frederick Chopin, all about the vinyl resurgence and whether we blame Adele for it. How can we blame Adele for anything? Then we go deep into Psychedelic Porn Crumpets, Korea, one of the hardest working bands in Australian music. All right, let's be real here. We all... Listen to Spotify. We all kind of hate it, but we all kind of love it. It's a very odd, odd uh, thing we've got going on there. Spotify rap dropped this week, and it was pointed out in a very interesting article just how bad Apple Music's version of it is. It's terrible. It's replay 2021. It looks like an intern has literally just come in there, shat their pants, <laughs> and pressed a space bar and gone, you're good. You get a job here. I'm raging on Apple. and I'm being a bit harsh, being facetious, but uh, it's yeah, the, the two do not compare at all. So I shared, like a lot of people, I shared my Spotify wrapped. My moods were happy and spooky. We'll get to your moods in a second, my friends. I have no issue with people knowing that um, the breakbeat remix of Baby Shark is my number one song of the year. I had some Genesis or Wussy in there. I'm still street. But yes, yeah, I have kids uh, age nine and four. But the whole thing is, it's, you know, it is the most overt data theft served back to you as personalized content. If Facebook did this, people would be up in arms. But because it's Spotify, because it's music, which is, I think is, you can speak to in just a moment, Jack, it's, it's a super strange one. But we're all sort of like, we've all got FOMO, so we all want to get involved. In, in a lot of ways, we're turning a blind eye with an open ear. What's your vibe, uh, Jack McEwen from Psychedelic Porn Carpets on Spotify Wrapped? I love that line, turning a blind eye with an open ear. That That's good. Thanks, bud. That's good. But yeah, I'll Wrapped. From a band's point of view, yeah, it's definitely Spotify showing us uh, how much money we've made them and our 0.00 slice of a peanut <laughs> we, have, uh, <laughs> we, we get to share. That's good. I think from a personal point of view, from my listening, it showed me... My ego, how how big it is from just listening to all porn crumpets music <laughs> and trying to get ten thousand plays so I can afford a pint, but uh, I just keep it on repeat. <laughs> That's good. Excellent. What were your moods? I was happy and spooky. What moods did you know? I didn't realize. I didn't get to the mood thing. I must have just skipped past that bit. But I had a. I it just showed me the genre, which was neo psychedelic. So I suppose I'm in the. I'm in the ballpark. Neo psychedelic. I'm not full psychedelic. Cool. I'm more of the the neo. You've got yeah, a touch of Matrix, Matrix and a touch of Tame and a touch of King Giz. Uh, what, were your, yeah. <laughs> what were your? What were yours, What were your moods in this new function? Mine were bold and confident, which is kind of hilarious because. Not one of my top five songs were songs from this year. Like, I feel like mentally my Spotify is still in, like, the first quarter of 2020. That or I've just, like, used it, like, the same playlist to, like, construct, like, a little bit of a, like, a cocoon of comfort around myself. (laughs) Not sure about what that says about me. That or I've just been listening to the same, like, five songs on repeat and I've had nothing else going on. Um, yeah. The cocoon of comfort, though, that speaks to uh, one of the new things they put out. And whoever does the copywriting for Spotify does a, does a bang-up job. I'm sure they get paid more than 0.0001 of a, of a peanut. Um, the one about <laughs> – there was something about 
yeah, music to vanquish the evil spirits. Everyone got a everyone yeah. got a song this year that was uh, it was decided that that was the song that you that you used to you know empower yourself, which I thought was kind of cool, stepping into your power. Um, Apple's replay thing though, which is just why either either have a crack at it or don't at all. You know what I mean? Don't don't half ass yeah. something, always full ass something. And this is the this the Verge.com article by Chaim Gartenberg. Headline: Apple Music's terrible year in review is giving me serious Spotify wrapped FOMO. Dear Apple, please just copy Spotify's homework here. You can't argue with that either. Like, surely they they could do something similar to it. Where if you're an Apple Music uh, listener, cool, we're going to present this. It's going to be a bit different. We're in on the joke here. We know Spotify does is sort of better than us, but as opposed to kind of not doing it at all, it's just it's it seems super super odd. I think you had another. You had another uh, observation, I think, too, Jack, about it in terms of um, comparing it to Netflix and something like that. Oh, yeah, for the Netflix. I suppose that music feels less gluttonous to consume. It's kind of a healthy media or whatever you want to call it, an art form. Mm. To you, you, you don't mind being like, you've listened to 20,000 hours of music <laughs> rather than being like, you've watched 900 days of television this year. <laughs> it's like, how? Yeah, and you kind of feel, I suppose, with music, there's more... Like, I've always thought with people who are like, oh, I don't like this or I don't like that. It's like, there's so many different genres, and but so many different films. You're not supposed to like it all. So when people are comparing it, it's almost like, here's your personal taste, which is really nice. It kind of just gives you like a... And the algorithm that Spotify has is just like, that's, it's brilliant. Like, you can just get bits and pieces that you never even heard before. Like yourself, so as you were saying, all they listen to was like older music. But that's because there's so much older music created that it's just like, you just rabbit hole yourself and... Then totally. you, you find this band from like the fifties that you're like, as if this existed. How have I just spent twenty eight years without like knowing this was around? Totally. Speaking to that algorithm thing, uh, Jacques Lime Cordial, for instance, they blew up in Argentina, and they're like, "How does this happen? Why are we getting all this? You know, what's <laughs> happening here?" It turns out Tash Sultana had recently toured Argentina, and everyone had been served up on the algorithm. If you like Lime Cordial, you might like. Sorry, You're if you like, love like this. Yeah, if you <laughs> like Tash, you like, and, and so on and so forth. So another band, the Paper Kites, who have a song called Bloom, which is now being streamed on Spotify 327 million times. It's become like a real wedding song. They use Spotify for artists, which I, which I want to ask you about as well, to route a tour through U- the US cities where they knew they were the most popular. You guys are on over 500,000 streams uh, per month. And obviously Apple Music is probably a fifth of that as well. Additionally, do you guys use Spotify for artists? Do you sort of go behind the matrix neo psychedelic man and uh, you go behind you go behind the wall and, and have yeah. a little gander and go you know Wherever what the- we're blowing up in Fremantle. <laughs> that's it in frio it's like 20 minutes away like there's some great drugs in frio no i don't know i suppose i suppose like yeah for sure with the um the listeners like america is our biggest listener base really by far yeah but i suppose that's because they have a population of like 400 million or something whereas compared to australia like if you did it per capita it's probably a lot we have a lot more listeners in australia but they do go into like the cities as well but then of that i think our fans are like you either have the real introverted person that's just like i just love listening to music by myself and this is my sort of like i don't know my escapism of it whereas like i suppose with the cities or who wants to go to a show I suppose Amel and the Sniffers are also in that same sort of bracket where they've just got such a, they're very much a live band and a brilliant Definitely. live band. And they're, it's strange, like they have such a great social media presence, but then their listens when people go and listen to the music isn't as big as say like someone who's filling out 2000 cap shows worldwide or something. It's kind of like 
their live thing is what they're selling. I'm probably jumping the gun on all these no, conversations. No, no. This, but, this is good. Just keep going. But then um, I feel like that in now with COVID, it's like what you would have got paid for these live shows. You're sort of relying on the streaming, which is then uh, you do have to probably look into where you are being listened to if it's Bosnia and Herzegovina or I don't know, if Argentina. That'd be nice getting big in Argentina, though. Hell It'd yeah. Be, uh, a, a beautiful place to visit. Totally. Um, your music, I, this is going to sound so naff, but I don't care. Your music, <laughs> your music. It's shocking. It's real here bad. Go. Here it goes. <clears throat> your music, big warm riffs that make me want to smoke spliffs off cliffs. Uh, is there fatigue? Spliffs off cliffs. Want, let's put a beat to that. Spliffs off riffs, cliffs. Spliffs yeah. and spliffs cliffs. <laughs> Are there particular like, playlists you get onto where you're like, oh, yeah. They know where, you know, like different parts of the world and, you know, obviously the playlisting you, you've experienced in the US, you're nearly double Amwell streams, for instance. Yeah. Uh, do you wake up and go, oh, I'm on this playlist today. Wicked. Like, and what kind of playlists, what kind of uh, sort of communication do you have with the streaming platforms? Yeah, there's definitely the drug culture, which we've managed to nestle. And I suppose it was, we couldn't <laughs> miss that with the band name, which is like, yeah. So, and I think all of us now are like very grown up. We've done our days in the den. And we're sort of like, all right, let's get. Don't have days in the den. Yeah, that's it. That's the quote. That's the quote. Can relate. Look, quote. I found God in a tomato. Done. Got yeah, the t-shirt. I only needed to find him once, and I've done it. There's the song. Yeah, I think now it's like I suppose just creating, creating a bit of bit of music. But then I think we've definitely going back from the first couple of albums, trying to just go into the recording style of things a bit more rather than being like, what are we doing? And it's Behringer Mike's just going off and around. But the playlist, I think, is a lot of the, yeah, some strange old ones. And then it cuts across the social media as well. I had some guy I had to message the other day who was selling mushrooms on Instagram with my face <laughs> as his like <laughs> picture. And his name was like, trippy flipping silas oban or something and i was just like hey mate like good morning like can you please not use my face and send him a picture of what filch you know like with the old lamp and be like oh dear we are in trouble and then oh, yeah no. it took like a week i was like man like all these people i don't know if he was perth based or where he was based but the amount of messages they probably got just be like why is jack trying to push mushrooms and it's just like oh man it gets cringy sometimes hey that's hilarious. Of course it does. You know, like, homie, did my time in the den. Did it. I've done my time. <laughs> done my time. Um, to swing it back to sort of the Apple v, v Spotify thing, it's interesting to, to note that Apple don't have a freemium kind of pillar. They don't have a freemium option. They're really going yeah. towards the audio files. And there's a new $1,200 AirPods, which apparently sound incredible, lossless audio, and to the point where you go left to right speaker in your ears. And it, I've had a little burl on them recently. And yeah. It's 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 kind of it's worth all the hype as well. Um, Spotify is still yeah, it's, it's such an such an odd thing that we all kind of we all give into it, but we all know that only you know certain certain amount yeah. of artists and so definitely like even good guitar bands definitely get looked after like sort of hip hop acts and electronic acts and so many other genres uh, are higher up the food chain than, than you could sell. Yeah, um, isn't that isn't that mm. strange how you know that there is a better quality streaming platform, mm. but you'd still choose to use Spotify? Because just, it's like, here's your data. Yeah, here's like, your data. Yeah. And it's just, it's easier. It's easier. So yeah. the days of, you know, Stopify, which I once put on Facebook, I haven't deleted it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. I put, I put Stopify up and it started an argument between two friends of mine, Richard Lip and Richard 
Chin. I'm not even kidding you. <laughs> Richard Chin, <laughs> who, who works for the resident advisor, and Richard Lip, who's sort of down with Deezer and a bunch of other things in the in the industry. Very strange, very awesome, kind of like tete a tete, but not in a um, dick kind of way. Ah, friends, <laughs> chopping it up. Uh, love it. In just a moment, Sosa is going to be talking about the vinyl resurgence because the Brisbane man has sold his yes. house to fund new vinyl press, but that's just a moment. Welcome back to the greatest post-den, pre-heaven experience you'll ever experience. Here we are. Sos, what you got for us? So, in my research this week, um, and also when I decided to take a break from spending countless amounts of coin on vinyl purchases, some may say they're unnecessary, I choose to not listen to those people. So in the middle of all of that, I was reading about a man in Brisbane, Neil Wilson is his name, he and his wife have actually sold their home to fund the first actual vinyl press that will be up and running, hopefully, by like March or April next year. It's the first time Queensland will have had an actual record press in the state in decades which is really sick. Um, I know, Mikey, we've we've spoken about the Melbourne record label, Program Records, who purchased one of Australia's first new record presses. Mm. I think it was like in 30 years back in 2019. Yeah, not not a record label, but yeah, just that they've got their own thing going. They've they're doing a shrine in there as well. Sorry to butt in the shrine to uh, to vinyl. Uh, it's in Thornbury. They've yeah. got to put in the stage where you can literally be playing and launching your album while your album comes hot off the press. It's pretty dope. And wow. That's insane. And Zenith, the two in, in Melbourne, Zenith in um, Brunswick. Yeah. So that happened. The addition of Neil Wilson's, his own sort of venture into this space is, I guess, the latest one we've Wilson. seen. Sorry, I've got Tourette's. <laughs> I've got Tourette's, guys. I'm sorry. Obviously, it's not a cheap endeavor by any means because if it was, then we wouldn't be experiencing the you know the vinyl shortage and the vinyl delay that the industry is currently going through. Um, what I found was interesting is that neither Neil or his wife work in music. Their career background is in project management and architecture. They're just avid music fans and they wanted to sort of flip their passion for music into, I guess, a career. So they're really putting themselves out there literally on the line to get this thing popping. Um, in a news article uh, published by the ABC, Neil said that collectively, me and my wife were both looking for change. We were both looking for something different. We'd been in our house for a long time. It needed some work and I didn't really want to do that work, so we sold it. Um, they made themselves they... homeless beforehand. That's probably a good exactly. idea. Exactly. Well, you know, I mean, how, you know, that's a career in the music industry, isn't it? Mm. Like just putting it all They out just there. took out the middleman. Yeah. They were just like, we'll do yeah, it ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. So they sold the house, which has paid for most of it. It's a gamble, he says, but it's a gamble that they believe in. So as I said, the press is expected to be up and running in the first quarter of next year. I believe that it's being made in Hong Kong. So there's like obviously logistics of actually getting it into Australia with COVID and all all of this stuff. But it's come at an interesting point because there has been a lot of conversations about, like, who do we blame for the shortage of vinyl around the world? Some people want to blame Adele because, like, she's gone and, you know, ordered fucking, like, three billion copies of her new <laughs> album on vinyl. Um, Supply and demand. Others have simply stipulated that, you know, we're we're in a really hard fucking time right now and 
maybe vinyl isn't the most important priority <laughs> for a lot of people. So no matter what side you fall on, we can't deny that vinyl production has clearly become a very popular way of orchestrating music releases, um, regardless of if you're an indie artist or if you're being pushed by a big label. There's some interesting features out there that talk about, you know, the, the impact that big record labels like your majors are having on this landscape right now, uh, whether or not it's a bad thing that they've muscled in on the vinyl space. You know, we've seen events like Record Store Day, which was originally a more indie movement. It's become more of like a massive, like, fuck off Black Friday <laughs> sale of vinyl. What what do we think about it? Like, do, are you both big vinyl collectors? I know Mikey definitely is. I'm literally looking for a, a vinyl. Sorry, I'm looking for a, a, here it goes. Looking for a piece of vinyl I haven't opened yet. It just got sent to me. So this is going to be an unboxing video. Yeah. An unboxing video which works very wow. well on podcasts. Everyone can agree. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. We can all uh, listen to you unwrap it. Here it goes. So this is from, from Caroline, Australia. Okay, so this arrived yesterday. It's uh, all those sort of perforated edges. Yeah, I get to do that, that fun kind of, this is a bit ASMR. This, this actually could work. So this guy here, see that, ready? Okay. <laughs> I'll open it. Okay, this one. Oh. Oh, oh. that sound. Well, oh, that's nice. quite satisfying. It's like nice. a brand new pack of Pokemon cards. Oh, oh yeah. What does it smell like? And we have the Amel and the Sniffers album. There we go. Oh, Comfort to me. Topical. Explicit. Topical. How good is that? Topical. I think it says explicit at the bottom. Okay, this was dope. And even, <laughs> even cool. see if you can catch the, this sound as well. Of just opening up the plastic bit, oh, unsheathed, if you will, HR issue, uh, unsheathed. <laughs> there we go. And even the this, this smell. Can you get the smell of vinyl on, uh, on this podcast? This is a great package. <laughs> this has got all the lyrics, lots of eyeball kind of action. Red vinyl, guys, matching my microphone. It's going to give a little bit of dot. There you go. Dot. That's, that's, I'm literally <laughs> bashing red on red. And on the sniffers, comfort to me. That was actually quite a satisfying... Uh, my poor uh, co-host didn't know where I was going. <laughs> like, mate, we're talking over here. And I just off I went. But um, <laughs> you know, I'm always going somewhere with it. Uh, just to go back for a second as well. Collectively, me and my wife were both looking for a change. Okay, we were both looking for something different. Okay, <laughs> we've been in our house for a long time. It, the relationship, needed some work, <laughs> and I didn't want to do that way. I thought it was like polyamory. Well. No, polyvinyl. H tell us how you, how you, uh, Jack. What's your, so yeah, your relationship with, obviously, I think when I said Zenith before, you've perked up. Have you guys used Zenith? And do you guys sell, with yeah. your, your music lends itself as well to people rolling joints on uh, on the size of a vinyl. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> On cliffs. Cliffs on cliffs. Cliffs on yeah. cliffs. <laughs> I, yeah, for sure. Like, we <laughs> wouldn't be a band without the Virgil, v Virgil Resonance, uh, Vinyl Resurgence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when we, like, was first starting off, I think the main thing was just to get, a record like made and i think that's every band sort of dream was like if you just release anything it's like cds just became so obsolete and the actual like sale of music like going back to the old spotify thing with apple like at least apple had the option to buy the music mm -hmm. so it was like and spotify obviously mm, had like true. it was just kind of like you'd subscribe and there's your pennies but with vinyl it was like the first time i think we were like wow there's actually like an industry here which you can even if you press like 300 copies it was enough to afford to get yourself into the door of recording another record and if you do it all yourself it was sort of like right we'll just we'll save up money from these gigs then we can press some records and then it's sort of like you if no one's buying them then they're obviously 
you're no good. So it was sort of like it was only on your own back that you could fail, which kind of made it nice. So it was like you just that's a back- that's a really good point. Mm. That's yeah. such a good perspective. Yeah, you know. So we're like we just well, then we did five hundred, then a thousand, then sort of moved on. And then the old big executives came along like, here, like they wafted a little bit of cash in your face. And they're like, we'll take over from here. You don't have to think about the hard stuff like getting paid. <laughs> we were like, oh, we'll do that, Uncle Sam. And then, yeah, so basically <laughs> and, and now, now we're all yeah back to thinking about how to do it ourselves again. But without yeah. I, going back to the Adele point, I think it's actually like obviously there's a nine month wait or an eight month wait for records worldwide now to get mm. like um, – pressed and it can be said that adele's one of them but like it's like the old bands as well who are pumping out like abbey road or beatles and there's fleetwood max rumors just always and they're in like the library now or literally in post office you can buy like elvis's greatest hits on record (laughs) it's like wow how's that even a thing but Mm. it was a medium that went and now it's coming back huge so if anything it's doing the vinyl industry a great deal and then hopefully this guy in queensland's jumping on the gun like as soon as possible and he's like all right i will be i mean if there's an eight month wait and he's going to get up in may or even april then we if we order records from him now we'll have them before we've got it with the established people so i feel like this could be a good thing for australian artists well just artists in general but the the more the more outlets or opportunities that we have to have things pressed locally exactly and cutting out the the delivery time the the fees yeah. the international shipping all that oh, stuff i feel like it could be a good thing for local industry yeah shipping rates from um from europe so we're just looking at batch now it was fourteen thousand australian dollars to get it shipped over to and australia the ship goes down and so yeah that's it so we're like looking obviously Damn. and trying so we've always used this people x final x and because they're based in prague and that was like there's Prague, uh, Prague and somewhere in America that was like the two big ones. So they're inundated with obviously the Adels and stuff. So the more local presses we can get like Zenith and stuff. So our, um, Luke plays in the porn company as well. He got his record through Zenith. I think we're going through Zenith now. But I've said, why doesn't, you know, all these like people, we've got Wham, West Australian Music, and I don't know what the equivalent is over in, over East, but basically the government run, like they're like grant people. They're like, oh, here, you yeah. write to them and get 15 grand if you want to do an EP or something or whatever, and they sort of help you out. They should just put their money together. If it was 400 grand, I don't know. They must have, didn't they just get like $3 billion in the arts? Like if they just built like $250,000 vinyl press in each state, they would make their money back in six weeks probably with the amount of people wanting <laughs> records. Like Tame Impala would yes. press like a million. And they'd be like, sweet, we've just well, done 100%. it. 100%. Yeah. And then you just ship that out. Get it into the bank. It's smart. Here we go. We'll start yeah, That's just good business, isn't it? And now for the whatchamacallit was number one. That's the 2019 uh, record by you guys. Went to number one in the IRA vinyls chart. How did, that, how did that feel? Did you sort of punch the air? And, wow. You know, do you know how many how many units did you shift? Um, Of that one, I think it was 1,500, I think, of maybe close to that. Maybe that was Shiger. But it wasn't too many because that was Australia-wide. So we pressed... I think we pressed about 8,000 or 10,000 worldwide. So, but then you make obviously in the charts for Australia, it's weird to think that with those 1,700, the people that are always in their charts is like, like I said, the Fleetwood Max with Rumors or Elvis or like these people. But we were doing represses, so of our older um, records and selling more of them. But because you do it off of Bandcamp, no one recognized or the charts didn't recognize yeah, true. the position. So King Gizzard, for instance, were doing like 8,000 records a day when they'd just be like, here's our catalog. And so the ARIA charts wouldn't recognize it because they've self-released it. 
So there's probably loads of bands who are like actually doing some huge units. Yeah. But but the charts aren't recognizing. So it was sort of the newer stuff, I think. But it's obviously really nice to be like, oh, you're number one at something. I like that link you sent too, where it was like Porn Crumpets and Foo Fighters fighting the number, yeah. number one. I was like, no way. Which link? Which That's link? Just... Let me click on it. I don't know. There was one for the interview. I was Down like, the bottom. Oh, it made was me laugh so hard. I was more impressed that Foo Fighters have got a sixth member. I was like, wow. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> looking looking it's been wild to to just see how you know vinyl culture has really taken off with not to say that it was always like an older person's game but i feel yeah. like yep. especially in the last in the last decade or so we're seeing i feel like it's it's gone back into that classic sense of really developing a love for crate digging and for finding yeah for new finding new bands and finding bands who may not have you know, necessarily had long and developed careers, but they they put out records on vinyl, and it was like lightning in a in a bottle. You know, isn't, and, isn't that the ultimate goal been awesome. to find find yourself in a thrift shop charity bin? Though <laughs> it's like we, that's when you know you've really made it. Totally, I'll, fi- I'll find your t shirt at an op shop. Is the opposite, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. it. Oh. Like I used to the Hard Rock Cafe. Totally. Ew, no, thank you. <laughs> with it's funny with vinyl with DJing. I, there's a few people I know around that only book vinyl DJs. There's definitely an appreciation for it. I think if you go along and see oh, yeah, a vinyl DJ, sure. you like you go, you probably pay more attention as well to the DJ. I rarely play vinyl. When I do, I really enjoy it. I'm not very good at it. But um, yeah, yeah. Do you spin vinyl at all, Jack? You, you ever get tapped? Uh... Like, hey, you can be able to be a DJ. Come and. Oh Dude, man, I wish for Mazda. I could do it. <laughs> for Mazda, man, I would love to. There's a barber, Billy. He he's done it for years and he's great at it. And we went we went and saw Floating Points play oh. in Perth. It was part of um. Anyway, so we thought he was gonna do like his whole band. So we got tickets and we were just like. But then he did a vinyl set, which I was actually just equally as impressed with. It was just like, how yeah. is he doing that with forty fives? He's got like, like literally bins and bins or like baskets of records. He's just sitting yeah. through it one ear like none of that like tractor kind of stuff going where it's just like here's your bpm it's like his ears just like it's like i know i, I don't know how he's doing it i've never seen i've seen floating points I've, ne- I've never seen him dj vinyl that would have been mint he just had two two turntables both with 45s just going across fading from both and like it was incredible he's obviously been doing that for a long time but uh mikey where do you go when you have to go look if you go look for a, a record what's your sort of your taste do you have to go off the cover you're just like this is going to be dope like um let me see. In in op shops, it's it's very hard to find. I, I do op shop with my fan bam a little bit. What do I go? I go in the city to rock rocksteady records. I'll often get. I'll go up to the counter and ask. You know, I think it's a, a Coco Cono number nine. I'm probably saying that wrong. God, <laughs> but Mambo Mambo number five. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Hey, aren't you Louis Vega? <laughs> Times are tough, kid. Times are tough. <laughs> <laughs> but I got a, a recommendation on it, and there was only like 500 printed worldwide, and this is Rocksteady, and they end up getting one of uh, one of these 500 worldwide, and they just had this really amazing story behind the whole thing as well. So I love getting yeah tips from people behind the counter. I wish I went record shopping more. Very hard to has been hard to you know go anywhere for for quite a while. Um, I'm a fiend for you know obviously getting lots of music downloaded to a USB. But I love buying. I've, I've just bought my friend some vinyl, which has taken three months for it to arrive. He's, he's, his birthday was two two weeks <laughs> yeah. ago, so that's a bit a bit disappointing. <laughs> but yeah, just in general, just you know, there's heaps of licorice pie. There's, there's a new place that's opened up in um, Collingwood Yards as well. Uh, so yeah, I to you, to your point though, 
like a really transfixing and really interesting, uh, like OG records near where we record quite often in Fitzroy. I'll get a tip from behind the camera. If it looks great and you kind of go, oh, I've heard good things about it. You know, it's just that it's the accumulation of a, of a bunch yeah. of things that, that'll um, that'll pique your interest. I do have a turntable set up over there. I'm waiting to my youngest. So much dad talk today. I'm waiting to my youngest daughter is old enough to not <laughs> mess, mess, mess with the needles before I actually set it up properly. It has been sitting there for three years though, but I'll get to you. Don't you worry. But just in general, like, <laughs> like you, you, you pick up quite a bit of uh, vinyl as well, don't you, Sos? I do. It's um, I, I need to, I need to kind of rein that shit in, if I'm honest. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's expensive. It's 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 a lot. I I got the new Marcus Whale record nice. uh, delivered today, which is absolutely beautiful. He's fantastic, isn't he? I like collecting. I like listening to to new records that are just recommended. I don't know. It's a weird one, like. Whenever I travel, I find I, I tend to pick up vinyl That's like, just yeah. in the city yeah. that I'm in. Like, actually, when I was in Perth at the beginning of this year, I went to a oh, fuck, I can't remember what that place is It'll called. Come. Noise pollution. It's in Le- no, no, no. Oh, Ruba Records. In Leaderville. Yeah, Ruba. It's like a oh, there's, yeah. There's rhubarb there. Yeah, just on the corner. So that's Billy who was talking about. He does the vinyl. He's oh, he works there. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So I was there for for Wham this year, and um, I just got a text from like a friend, and they were like, "Oh, come, come to this really cool spot." And I went, and then I I got like four records there, just kind of given to me, and I was just like, "Yeah, cool, whatever." Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, came away from it, and you know, it was the same thing when when we went to. My partner and I went to Japan for well, my first time, his second time, and obviously, like vinyl culture in Japan is like on a whole nother fucking level. Mm, yeah. Um, that even like the used stuff, like the 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 used vinyl over there is like A grade mint quality. So it's like yeah. that really kind of turned it into a bit of a a bit like a little bit more than a hobby for me, I think. And and I'm glad that 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 seems to be coming more part of it, like the Australian vinyl culture here, which is really cool too. Have all three of us gone vinyl shopping in Japan? That's one of the great life experiences. Oh, we had bags of I, I, yeah. I ended up spending too oh, much really? money on guitar pedals because yeah. they just had like gigantic shops of like used and brand new guitar pedals, which none of the, I hadn't seen half of them ever before. And there was what? one <laughs> of John Lennon putting a tab of acid in someone's tea, and so I was like, I didn't even know what it sounded like, and it was six hundred <laughs> US dollars. I was like, I need that pedal, and it's just the best. <laughs> I, it's all I use now. Just this like real good like amp simulator called like a Vox kind of thing. But it was got the same artwork as the guy who did Revolver. So oh, it was, cool. uh, yeah, it was brilliant. But yeah, we always come everywhere we go. There's all the boys have just got shopping bags full with records, and you're like, how do we get them home? And we only—it was only recent till Jay, who does sound for Pond, was like, "Why don't you ship them back? Like, send, like, just send it back." And we were like, "That's yeah, uh, why uh? don't we? <laughs> just, yeah, huh? What do you mean? <laughs> we got to carry them around with us for like four months." Man, we ended up being severely over overweight with vinyl coming back from Tokyo, to the point where we had to like at the airport um, put. A shit ton. I think it was something like fifty or sixty records oh into a God. box, like tape it up yeah. and get it sent, like just put on on the plane with us. The box and I think it was like another suitcase didn't make it back to Australia. No. Like it just got stuck, and I just remembered having this horrible image in my head because we came back 
peak Australian summer, like 36 degrees, and I just had this image of this box of vinyl just sitting in like a van, just being driven all around Melbourne, just being warped until it got to us. Thankfully, it was fine. It was fine. But trauma, trauma. Wow. So let's see what happens with vinyl. I think, (laughs) yeah, it certainly isn't going away. There's a lot of thirst for it. But, yeah, I think governments can get together, shell out a couple of hundred, you know, a couple of a few hundred thousand Uh, dollars. Pennies for them. Yeah, exactly. Piss in the ocean, mate. You can support Hit Different by buying us bags (laughs) of records. You can also subscribe. How nice of you to do that. Uh, That was the best bags joke since Brown Cardigan. Covering Australian music by becoming a (laughs) subscriber is what you want to do. Apple Podcasts is your friend. We're your friends. Check out the episode notes. And, uh, you know, why don't you follow Jack and uh, Michael and um, Sosafina on uh, the socials? Be nice to us. We'll be nice back to you. Hey, there's a free trial. What's this? It's got a guy in my ear. It's a free trial on Apple and only $1 for the first month. Everywhere else, then $4 <laughs> per month after that. Bye-bye. Sell, sell. Friends, get into it. Our subscribers this week, for instance, they get a special thing. We're doing a Hit Different Live podcast this Friday from Music Market with Tony from the Avalanches, Tony DeBlasi, Maple Glider, uh, Gina Turner, former manager of MIA, a little person called Soju Gang. Kian's going to sing. Mabel Glider's going to sing too. Shh, it's a secret. And then afterwards, we're going to do back-to-back-to-back DJ uh, Avalanches, me, Joey Lightbulb, and Soju Gang. Kill me now. Thank you. It's going to be a vibe. So <laughs> subscribers get that shit. Vibe. It's it's a bucket list moment, Jacques. He likes it, he likes it when I call him Jacques. I call him Jacques. <laughs> I like it. Jacques. Oh, my God. My tongue is Jacques. just holding on here, friends. Uh, in just, in just, <laughs> you, you need no context for that comment. In just a moment, after this music, more talking and more greatness. Hey, hey, welcome to the main course. It is none other than psychedelic porn crumpets. Jack McEwen, he's got a bit of a, bit of a geezer accent. I've got to ask about that, yeah? <laughs> bit of Russell Brand going on there, right? Um, possibly one of Perth's hardest working touring bands. They... Roll up spliffs, doing riffs off cliffs. They uh, <laughs> have been the number one band in the country for selling vinyl, which is pretty massive. Recently, so as, as you pointed out here in your very well-detailed notes, the Aria nominated with Shiger, The Sunlight Mount. Well, there's a new album in 2022. In brackets, get the scoop. We'll get the scoop, but we'll throw to you. So she can, you can be the first to ask. I always hog, hog our guests. You can uh, be the first person to ask. So give your tongue a rest, but then I'm like, no way. <laughs> no way. You go. <laughs> it's, PG. it's PG, guys. It's PG. Never, never, never. You guys, never. I think when I first heard of you guys, I was actually overseas. And I was just like, they can't be from Australia. Like, it, it, there was already a very big kind of international sound about you guys. And I was just like, oh, damn, they're from Perth. Okay, that makes sense. You've spent so long kind of touring, grafting, just living that road dog life. And it feels <laughs> like that's definitely where you feel most at home. Uh, developing music on stages for thousands and thousands of people right throughout fucking like UK, Europe, North America, Japan. Your passports are lit and then the pandemic happens and then Mm. you're landlocked back on the West Coast, quite literally locked into the West Coast at the moment. (laughs) Um, How did, first of all, how did just being stuck at home, because I know that you guys had quite, a run of shows overseas that were supposed to happen, like many bands. How did that affect the way you wanted to make music? Did you want to make music? Like, do you feel like you need to be constantly on the go for that creativity to be, to be struck? I guess. Yeah, I feel like there's so many ways I could tackle that, but 
at first it was I was afraid, and then I was petrified. No, I was um. We, <laughs> no, it was like it was actually the nicest. The, <laughs> I felt like it was such a nice break because yeah, we did feel like proper road dogs, like. As in, we hadn't had any sleep. Like, I remember watching a TED talk about the importance of sleep while in a tour van on, like, two hours sleep. And there's some neuroscientist there, like, you're all going to die at 25 if you don't get eight hours. And you're just like, eyes oh just red. <laughs> you're like, what's going on, doc? Yeah. But then, like, I think as soon as we got home, it, what trying to make music felt so natural because you'd come from a big tour you'd had a period of time, like, I think a lot of artists as well, you get, like, chunks, or if your album's doing all right or whatever, you sort of, like, back home, then your manager, like, oh, you've got a period of four months to try and write a record and then go and record it until you back out, and we want a single by here. Whereas now it's sort of, like, obviously all that sort of pressure of deadlines managed to completely shift, and well, uh, there's a really good quote where someone's like, you've got your whole life to write your first album, and then you've got a... A year afterwards to write the second one and then it's just i suppose if you're trying to compete with king gizzard you've pretty yeah. much got five weeks to write a record and then just like yeah it's the classic like gizzard did it you know and like yeah simpsons did it honestly you're wasting your time right now talking to us you should be making another album <laughs> yeah that's it i i should have been writing i'm so sorry ago. for taking up your time <laughs> <laughs> it's that. but i feel like it's getting better like i'm obviously understanding that when you play live, you're like, oh, that's right. Like, we've been lucky enough that we have been out of quarantine for a good chunk and the capacities are back to normal here. So when we do go play a show, you're like, holy shit, like, this is what we do. Like, And you kind of get that feeling of, like, right, all the music that you're making. And to go back to your question, so is when you're saying, like, what are you making? It, that is a, definitely a hard one because what if you're a live band and all you get to sort of bounce off is the speakers in front of you and... I started playing just loads of acoustic and then getting more and more sad. And then I was like, I'll just give up music. Like, screw it. Like, go and start going down the bowls club, which I'm a local member of. It's just been amazing. (laughs) So I've 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 aged about 70 years in the space of six months. But it's been good. (laughs) It's been fun. And, yeah. And the idea of going away now is, like, so... I've got the worst anxiety of it because you're just like going like yeah. don't drop me back there. It's almost like this PTSD thing where you're just like going back to normal when you just like get in that van. Your manager's like kicking down the door and be like, You got a flight coming up in two weeks, boy. You're like, nah! So yeah. But I think it'd be nice to try and find a good way of wrapping your head around it that makes it a bit mm. more fun. And, but there's just so many ways that could go wrong at the moment with COVID and obviously every strain that's coming out. Speaking of rap, wrapping your head and wrapped, just I just looking at your socials now and just to briefly jump back to the first one. So Psychedelic Porn Crumbers this year, 21.2 million streams, 1.3 million hours. These, these, they sound really big. I'm sure you're still only getting breadcrumbs really, all things considered. Um, do you route tours? Are you, are you looking to, you know, when you do launch for overseas tours, are you going to be like, okay, we're going to look at our streams. We're going to like really, really sort of drill down and, and use this data, you know, to, to help our fans and to help us. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think that goes into the way that we would base a tour is obviously on who's listening and what sort of platforms they are. And obviously there's a good bit of homework that would like a um, a booking agent will do and see like what kind of bands that are around our sort of genre where, where they're doing well. So, but then you also get these weird kind of pockets where say like in, Obviously, in Melbourne, I think that would be the biggest city for us in Australia. In America, it's LA and like New York. But in Europe, it's like uh, Netherlands 
which is, I suppose it's, I don't know if it's the old drug references or whatever, but it's like over there we're doing it helps a it, bunch it helps of shows. It's the avatar of sell, selling it, isn't it? <laughs> that's yeah, it. That's yeah. probably where all the mushrooms are going, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That guy's selling it. He's definitely Dutch. I don't know. I, 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 I suppose like, yeah, you look at those kind of bits and pieces and then you wouldn't not listen to them. You're not like, all right, we're going to, uh, mm. I don't know, Cuba and doing a tour. <laughs> <laughs> like the Caribbean, which would be really nice. Mm. If you just That'd get really hit nice. up your Mac by your manager, he's like, you got to go to St. Lucia for nine weeks. You'd be like, ah, oh, really? St. Lucia, <laughs> great example. Damn. Par example. You also, you do, you guys do a, uh, a festival called Dr. Noggin Floggin, a New Year's Eve festival in WA. It's a much better name than psychedelic porn crumpets. Uh, no shame, no cap, <laughs> no offense. <laughs> uh, just a quick side note. Uh, King Giz, uh, was like two years ago at Meredith. I think guitarist came out. He's like, Working Gizzard, uh, Lizard Wizard, it's, it's such a terrible name. It's a, it's a shocking name. Like he bagged out the name on and I was like, no, but I like the fact that kind of acknowledgement that not everybody in the band would love the name. Name aside, yeah. how did you get Dr. Noggin Floggin and are you doing it this coming New Year's? Not yet. Noggin Floggin is on this New Year's. Well, it was originally Dr. Noggin Floggin and his cosmic toothbrush and then it was Dr. Noggin Floggin and his liquid friends. And then we we're going to call it Dr. Noggin Floggin and the Night Gnomes Festival, but then we couldn't because... Apparently, we weren't allowed to release the album name, which I just did then. Oh, oh God. Hey, but, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, uh, yeah. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> but, yeah, I, that's, I, there's not a day that goes by where I'm like, why did I call the band Psychedelic Porn Crumpets? We're never, all of us, we've got five people in the album that can never work with children. We're all on <laughs> some sort of list, <laughs> like being sp- yeah, spied upon. Like, what's Jack doing next? But um, you didn't call your band yeah. drug dealer. That you you one step drug, back from that. There is the guy drug dealer. He's great as well. He is. He is. Then <laughs> every time he goes through customs, not not an idea. <laughs> I've De- not thought about that. No. Would not work for him. Doctor Noggin Floggin. <laughs> it's nice. It's condensed. It's it's small. What are these grand plans you have for it, my friend? Well, we got lucky enough that the pub, which is literally about a hundred meters from this house here, has two stages: the Rosemount Hotel, which is Ah, uh, bread and butter, I suppose. It's just like, it's good thousand cap sort of room where you got two, an inside room, an outside room. We got some beer sponsors coming. Basically, just slap on a good old little shindig. Free beer from five to six, so that'd be good. Just Wonderful. give back. It's our little our little Christmas present. <laughs> good on you. And great Gable, Super Thick, Dulcy, Yoma Ship. It's a stacked lineup. A lot of bands, a lot of acts. It will be good. I think the, the plan was originally to try and get a... They'll get some interstate bands and some of those big Eastern acts. And then no one could come back through because WA's locked. And they're like, yeah. oh, well, let's just let's just hit more crumpets up and the fullback plan, which is nice. I don't know. Tame were not available. <laughs> Pond, Pond are too is big Is it now. true? Is it Mark McGowan? Is that, that's your guy, isn't it? That's your, the premier? That's our man. Is he, yeah. is he emceeing the event? I've heard. I have heard that. I think that was some talk. <laughs> Death to Victorians. You can all fuck off. I like yes, him. I like him a lot. Hey, yeah. 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 <laughs> Death to Victorians. That's the quote. You guys have kind of got a bit of the King Gears sort of work ethic. I mean, you. I mean, obviously you aren't like 50 albums deep like King Gears, but in terms yeah. of releases, like you considering – you're always writing, you're always creating music and there's always it always seems like there's a new project to go right after an album's been released. Do you feel like your like the way that you see music as a songwriter has changed? <laughs> Running out of ideas? Sorry. 
That's just completely. No, no, yeah. <laughs> when are you going to run out of ideas? Yeah, when? No, but like, do, do you feel like the, the last, say, with the last record, Shiger? Yeah. Do you think like you've kind of tapped into any sort of new ways of writing? Because when you think about the, the late, I think it was Lava Lamp Pisco. Maybe yeah. it was a recent, another recent release. Like it definitely felt like it was going in a, a more heavier, chuggy sort of direction, yeah. which I thought was really cool. Like, how do you know when to sort of rein in different influences and and let and then at the same time sort of let yourself explore other things as well? I suppose like we're at least uh, a band that we can write anything like which is nice like there's no sort of genre specific thing which we're like oh we've got to stay in this realm else no one's going to enjoy it like it's nice just being able to put out some 60s kind of uh a beach boys kind of-esque album which or beatles and then just move forward like in six months and just be like all right we're dropping something a bit heavier but i suppose that's like now again throwing back to spotify like you can have like a million influences just in your hand because you have every single bit of music and information that's ever been created literally just on the internet and it's hard not to be inspired by all those sounds so i think like a lot of the time the hardest thing is trying not to convolute the record with too many different ideas and trying to space it out into bits and pieces Mm -hmm. but i think as well i i personally would just be writing just just because if i had another job i was always doing it and nowadays it's like yeah, lucky enough to be able to write and do it. So when people are just like, oh, I don't like that. I'm like, well, it wasn't made for you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This isn't for you, man. And going back to the King Giz and Tame thing, I think we'll just ride their coattails until one of them screws <laughs> up and we're, we're going to be there. We'll be there waiting. What lovely coattails. What lovely coattails they are. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. like, with it, because I know early on when psychedelic porn crumpers began to sort of gain a bit more traction um, outside of WA, it almost felt a bit inescapable to get away from the Tame Impala comparisons, um, whether or not that's just because there was another WA band, like, you know, <laughs> point of reference. Yeah. Um, early on, was there, like, did that kind of become a bone of contention? Like, did, was there any, like, laid pressure to try and get rid of oh. that comparison or to live up to it? Not really. I felt more chuffed that we were even getting compared to them. I think, um, sure. which was something to be inspired by. And obviously they were just such a band at the time when like, we were watching them when we were growing up in Perth. And the rest of the world, we just felt fortunate enough that we could see them evolve from here, doing it in the speaker and the EPs and stuff. And they were doing like the Laneway Festival. I think they were just like one of the first bands on. And they'd done a couple of shows where it was just, like 200 cap, then 500 cap. Then they started obviously going up the gears a bit until... They went away internationally before they even went over to Sydney and Melbourne and stuff. So it was like, and I think obviously the rest of Australia started picking up once they'd done this college circuit in America. Um, but in Perth, we were just like, yeah, luckily we had a couple of years ahead of everyone to be like, write down his wrist, get what's he using there? Like, yeah, so just stealing, <laughs> stealing Kev's ideas. But yeah, I think I actually did an interview with someone from Italy the other day and they were like, have you heard this new band, Tame Impala? I was like, and I was like, <laughs> Our manager's Murray. I was like, Murray, it's happening. They've discovered us before Tame. <laughs> <laughs> like, all we, all we got to do is... Take that, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, it's there. Take yeah. that, Parker. <laughs> Fucking hell. Take that. I love it. Yeah. Wow. We're talking about other bands now, and uh, I think we should jump to our bonus episode.